Welcome everyone to episode 199 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I am your host David Cumberford and today I'm going to be giving you my thoughts on Liverpool's dramatic 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So the 99th minute, that's when Darwin Nunez sealed the three points for Liverpool away to Forest in one of the most dramatic, incredible moments of the 2023-24 season so far. And it's a result that it looked like it was going to elude Liverpool. It looked like they were going to potentially be trailing Manchester City in the table heading into the meeting between two sides at Anfield next week as the clock ticked down. But instead, it totally changes the dynamic in the squad heading into that fixture. And it puts Liverpool still, after Manchester City's comeback win themselves in the Manchester derby, it puts Liverpool a point clear at the top heading into that game and two points ahead of Arsenal, assuming Arsenal get the job done against Sheffield United on Monday night. And some of the numbers around this, um, definitely worth mentioning. Some of the sort of the headline stats. It was the 44th, uh, 90th minute winner for Liverpool in Premier League history. That's 12 more than any other team. So it is sort of in the DNA of, of this football club to have moments like that. Um, and if we're talking about Jürgen Klopp's time specifically, that's the 18th time that Liverpool have scored in the 90th minute or later um, during his tenure. And that's more than any other side in that period. And again, that's kind of come to define his his tenure hasn't it? it is that kind of belief that fight until the end and um just knowing that there is there are opportunities to be had still in that period and not maybe getting too desperate and almost i think we talk so much about belief but maybe we don't talk enough about kind of maintaining that that focus in that period when it's easy to just become desperate and lose your way a little bit um and obviously nunez coming off the bench not been fully fit recently and that is the 43rd Goal contribution for Liverpool substitute in all competitions this season. 21 goals and 22 assists. We know that that's more than any team in the Premier League, but it's also the most of any team in Europe's big five leagues. So if Liverpool do go on to um, win further trophies this season, in addition to that League Cup, which they've obviously got in the bag already, then that is going to be one of the key narratives when we look back on this season. It is the squad and the impact players were able to make um, coming into the game. And one thing I would say as well is that's 42 goals now out of 64 that Liverpool have scored this season after half-time. So maybe not the best team in the first half. I do wonder where they'd almost rank for those goals in the first 45 minutes. But in the second half is when they really come alive. So I think the lesson there is if it isn't going Liverpool's way at half-time, as it's been in multiple matches already this season, then we know that we've got to almost stay patient and wait for that sort of second half resurgence, if you like. But with our three-hour match reviews today, I mean, there's only one place we can look, and that is the, the goal for Nunez. And I've gone with spirit beyond belief because there was this sense as the game ticked towards its conclusion on Saturday that it was one match too many for this depleted squad that Liverpool had. And I don't think there was anything in the performance or anything in the situation that you could sort of be angry about. I mean, naturally, you'd be frustrated to drop points away to a team that's been struggling this season. But for Liverpool to get to the point, even even before that game, you know, having won the League Cup, made it through to the quarters of the FA Cup, 
you know stayed top of the Premier League with their squad being virtually decimated um, by injuries in that period. I mean that was remarkable in itself, and there was no shame at all in the nil-nil draw that that game was heading towards. To be honest, but it, it's just staggering that they were able to once again find a way and. You just wonder, you know, how many more times can they do it? Because every time you have one of these moments, you think, okay, that'll be sort of the last almost implicitly in the back of your mind. But they find another way to conjure it, and maybe there will be a couple more famous winners before the season is out. Um, we'll see what happens on that. And it does it does remind you definitely of sort of that 18-19-19-20 era, and obviously Liverpool in the Champions League and the Premier League, the two crown and glory achievements under Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, one of those seasons ended in a um, heartbreaking finish in the Premier League and redemption in the Champions League. And then the second of those, Liverpool basically romped to the title. They put Man City away. So this one is different in character. I think that Liverpool, in what looks like it is going to be another very tight title race that goes all the way to the wire. This time, can Liverpool be the one that sort of comes out on top um, when it is neck and neck with Manchester City? and And, you know... If that is the case, then the margins are going to be such that we will look back on this goal from Darwin Nunez. We will look back on the goals he scored away at Newcastle United. And we'll look back on obviously plenty of other games too. But, but these will sort of definitely be right up there in terms of season-defining um, episodes and instances. If indeed it does end in the successful outcome that Liverpool are obviously chasing with everything they've got at the moment. Um and I suspected when the goal happened that it would be the latest winner that Liverpool had scored. And indeed it was. Obviously, that was kind of an inevitable thing that we'd see, whether it was this season or next season or whenever, just because of this new sort of stoppage time rule. Um, but maybe we didn't think the ramifications of the goal were going to be quite as big as that. I mean, it sort of reminds you of that uh, that Arsenal goal last season against Bournemouth. And I know, obviously, for them... it was one of them where it's obviously going to be tinged that memory a little bit by um, sort of unravelling as it did later in the season but um, yeah that one was 97th minute for Reese Nelson um, that winner so I mean winning it that deep into stoppage time almost the longer it ticks on the more valuable it is um, obviously from the Nottingham Forest perspective it was steeped in controversy um, maybe one that if you're on the flip side of things and we're talking about the record books a lot that'll be your sort of asterisk to this moment and um, so essentially um if you're not fully aware of of what all that the fuss is about um Hudson Odoi had the ball for Forest and this was in the 97th minute of the match um level with the penalty I think it was on the left hand side um Forest I think I just had a corner they were trying to attack again Canate had a head injury so Paul Tierney stopped the play um, and then when Canate had received treatment, the rule is that Forrest should have had the drop ball and be able to attack again. But Tierney mistakenly gave the ball back to Liverpool, who then attacked. Um, Forrest, you know, their bench at the time uh, was really angry. Obviously, when the goal goes in, that in intensifies things significantly and it becomes a much more meaningful decision from the referee, mistake from the referee, um, as you'd have to call it. Their coach, uh, Stephen Reid, was shown a red card and the owner, Marinakis, was on the touchline by the end of the game and questioned Paul Tierney in the tunnel as well. I think the thing that Liverpool fans have been saying on this is that, obviously, 
it came a couple of minutes before Darwin Nunez put the ball in the back of the net. So in the line of cause and effect, I mean, you can't technically say it wouldn't have happened without that decision. Things would have obviously played out differently. Forest have another attack and the game probably does end nil-nil um, if the referee applies the rules properly. But then you'd also say Forest have plenty of opportunity to deal with that. And, you know, I don't think Liverpool are going to have any sort of... I think it's fair if you're a Liverpool fan to not have any kind of guilt about refereeing decisions going your way when obviously we'd be um, a point or, or even three better off if, if things had uh, been enforced properly in that in that farcical game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, so everything kind of feels like payback for that in a way. But you can see why Forrest were angry is the, is the way I put it definitely. And um, every title winner gets a severely contentious decision that goes their way at a key moment in the season um i think it's fair to say and maybe this is that uh for liverpool and um obviously we'll see what it means for forest as well um one thing i thought was strange was that mark clattenberg obviously the former premier league referee um he's been acting as an advisor to forest um and trying to be almost a intermediary intermediary between them and the pgmol who um, given Forrest a lot of apologies already this season um, for various decisions that proved to be incorrect and you know I think that's obviously a unique situation but given the level of frustration that there must be at that club at the moment then I guess you can understand why if anyone would make that kind of hire it would be them but Klassenberg tried to get into the referee's room um, to talk to Tierney about it. And I don't know what right he thinks he has to be doing that. I mean, yes, you know, he is a well-known former referee, but to all intents and purposes, he's a pundit at this stage, you know, an expert in his field. But you're not going to get um, Jamie Carragher trying to go into the referee's room to talk about a decision that, that he feels wrong or the Liverpool dressing room is maybe a better comparison. So I thought that was just bordering on the ridiculous, to be honest, that um, it went that far, especially over something that, you know, it was an objective mistake, but it wasn't kind of this, it maybe wasn't as egregious. It was just a, a slight lapse from the referee. You know, it wasn't as egregious as, as some of the other decisions that we've seen go against teams this season. So I thought, you know, there was just a collective head loss from Forrest. And yes, obviously, you know, emotions run high in, in relegation battles. I understand that. And it's been a particularly damaging week for them with Everton's points deduction being reduced as well. But um, I just think certain individuals will maybe look back on how they reacted to this and think that they should have responded in a different way. But anyway, let's leave that there. We'll talk about the actual game now. We just needed to address that because there's obviously been a lot of discussion about it since uh, the game concluded. So Liverpool's performance, um, again, has to be put in the context of the absentees. No Alisson, no Trent, no Curtis Jones. No Ryan Gravenberch, no Mohamed Salah still. Hopefully he's back from Man City and no Diogo Jota, obviously, at the moment. Uh, Sobosly, Endo and Nunez all back in the squad. None of them in the starting lineup. Um, So you find yourself in a situation where you've got a decently strong attack. Um, Elliot, Gakpo, Diaz. Fairly good defence too, you'd have to say, with um, Bradley and Robertson as the full-backs. Van Dijk and Canarsie in the middle. But the midfield has Joe Gomez and Bobby Clarkin. Um, Joe Gomez is a centre back <laughs> in a midfield. I don't think I think he did okay here. Don't think it worked especially well against Southampton in the cup. Um Bobby Clark, I've 
said a couple of times now that I think he is the next one to make the step up from the academy. But, you know, we, we do know as well that in ordinary circumstances, there's no way he'd be starting kind of a a game in the thick of the title race in March for his, his debut without a sort of pile-up of injuries. Um, so to have you know, McAllister was the only one in there who was remotely close to a first-race Liverpool midfielder. Um, so that was really where it kind of hit home. But at least the strength was returned on the bench. So first half, uh, we saw... I think Forrest have a very good chance, to be fair to them. Um, tight offside call. I don't know whether it would have been ruled out. Alanga goes through on goal. Keller makes the save with his legs. Um, so fair play to Keller as well, to be fair, to, for you know standing up and making that the save in the key moment. Because you looked at the stats, I mean, Liverpool, 73% of the ball. Forrest, 91 passes completed, 67% passing accuracy, which tells you that they're trying to play either long or very vertical on the counter-attack. Um, and not having much success with it. But when they did get in in that moment, Keller was there for Liverpool's aid. And as much as Liverpool did have eight shots against one in that period, the XG was only 0.61 for the Reds and 0.58 for Forest. So it was actually close in terms of the balance of chances in that period. So if you're new, you know, you say the game plan's working all right. Um, frustrating moment for Liverpool where Gakpo gets in the way of Van Dijk trying to score from a corner. Um, and probably the biggest chance they had was when uh, Bobby Clark's shot sort of ricocheted to Luis Diaz and brilliant block from Murillo, to be fair. Second half, we see another heroic bit of defender from a Forest player, Omabamadeli. Took me a couple of attempts at that one, understandably. Um, basically, Robertson, um, the ball came to him. Bradley had cut it back. It sort of diverted into his path and it was a you know phenomenal block, to be honest. It looked like a goal-bound shot from him. Originally, he wondered if he'd actually put the chance wide, but no, it was a, a vital touch. Um, but again, as much as Liverpool were obviously applying much of the pressure, Forrest had a big chance themselves. It was Alanga once more. Toffolo's low ball from the left-hand side. Um, and Alanga tries to almost place the ball into the far corner using the pace on it. Um, maybe a deceptively hard chance, but also one that you look back on if you're Forrest and you say, yes, the drop ball, yes, the controversy about that, but how does the game look if we take that opportunity? Um and it just felt like it was getting away from Liverpool. You know, there was the moment where Nunez would come on, feed Gakpo at the end of what was a really swift counter-attack. Should have passed the ball, put it into the side netting. McAllister plays a 1-2 with Diaz. Diaz bends it just wide. No, it just felt like it wasn't going the right side of the post for Liverpool on the day. Um, and then, obviously, we get uh, that sort of really dramatic winner that we've already talked about in detail. And um, Forest resistance is broken right at the last... And we spoke a lot last season, not only on this podcast, but you know the fan base generally about how much Liverpool were struggling against poor teams, especially away from home. And this season, they've thankfully been able to turn that around. They've only dropped four points against teams in the bottom half. And that's, that is maybe slightly misleading in the sense that Chelsea are in there. Um, and again, they deserve to be in there. But the quality that they have going away from home and drawing there isn't necessarily a bad result. Um, and then Luton was obviously the other one we looked at to rescue a point. Um, if we're looking at the bottom seven and the away games against them, which was a huge Achilles heel last season, Liverpool were actually doing better um, against those sides, uh, against the top sides, I should say, than they were against the struggling teams. It was it was really bizarre situation. This time they've won six and drawn one against those teams and it reminds me of a, a saying that i've not seen too much this year but was going around a lot in kind of the end of the last 
decade and Liverpool were obviously competing for the Premier League title and it was beat the dross, win the league and Liverpool this season, I mean, the only big six team they've beat as far as I can think off the top of my head in the league anyway is Chelsea at home and like we say, you know, they're big six nominally at the moment aside from that, they've obviously lost to Arsenal and Tottenham, drawn away to, to City, away to Chelsea drawn a home to United and a home to Arsenal as well but it goes to show you that you don't necessarily need to have the best record against the teams around you if you can hoover up the points in the other games. And that is what Liverpool's title bit is being built on at the moment. Um, having said that, we know that it's it feels quite crucial for Liverpool to get the three points and get the breathing space over Man City next weekend. So there are certain games where you do have to deliver, obviously, as well. Um, let's get into some of the individuals then, having sort of run through how the game itself went. Um, I want to just quickly start with Bobby Clark, actually, because it's always worth touching on a player when he's making his um, full Premier League debut. Um, it only lasted an hour in the end, but um, I think you'd have to say he did all right overall. 27 out of 34 passes completed. Um, he only won three of his nine duels, but he did undoubtedly get stuck in making three fouls himself and drawing two. Um, and I think I'd say he held his own pretty well. I don't think he looked too far out of place and it was probably always planned to, to bring him off around the hour. Um, I said, I think in our post at Hampton podcast, that the game against Sparta Prague, uh, whether it was the first leg, where you kind of attack the game, try and kill it for the second, or the second leg when, you know, we have to see how the tie pans out, basically. But there may be an opportunity there is the point for, for the likes of Clark and, and Dan's to get some more game time. And it might be possibly the last opportunity for significant minutes, injuries permitting, before the end of the season. So we'll see how Liverpool approach that. I think there's a fairly decent chance he starts that away game on Thursday, especially with Man City looming. Um, so we'll see how he does there, if he does get it. And that would be, as much as Liverpool are obviously overwhelming favourites, you know, starting in a hostile atmosphere away in Europe in a knockout tie would be another big test for him and a couple of the other youngsters if they do get the chance so we'll see how Klopp approaches that one uh, for me man of the match Alexis McAllister um, I was critical of him on this podcast at the start of the season I think sort of fairly so much as he was adapting to obviously his new role in the side but I will, will have to say that the level he's been playing at and the improvement he's shown in the past couple of months has been one of the most enjoyable things about this season and for me this game was a story of you know you have Robertson in the side but you don't have Trent you don't have Sally you don't have Sobersly starting you need someone else to sort of step up and be that playmaker for you and it was McAllister unquestionably in this game six chances created and I'd be stunned if that wasn't his best um, tally in a single match for Liverpool and even in the first half he was the kind of the one pick on the lock for Liverpool. I mean, plays a couple of really nice, like, dinked passes into the penalty area. One for Gakpo, one for Diaz. Great weight on them. Not all comes of them in the end, but just kind of showing that he was that quality, established presence within the midfield and really sort of trying to be the one who prized the opening for Liverpool. And, um, and then at the end, I mean, it's not even just the cross to Nunez that puts it on a plate for him that impresses me. It's the fact that when he gets it, He's looking to kind of shuffle it out to Endo. And it's an all right pass, but it's a safe one. 
and the odds are that if he plays it, nothing comes of it, I'd say. But instead, he has the presence of mind to turn back round and all of a sudden he's got actually a pretty decent crossing angle. But then obviously the, the challenge is, can he slip it from a relatively sort of close position? You'd have to say, can he slip it into that area between the last line of attackers and the goalkeeper where Sells can't claim it? And he absolutely puts it in the perfect spot um, for Nunez to just get that glance that he needs. And, and almost the, the lack of power on the finish, I'd say. And it is precise, to be fair, but the lack of power and it shows how good the cross was because there wasn't actually that much for Nunez to do in that scenario. So yeah, um, Alexis McAllister with a crucial assist and a, you know, I'd also say a crucial top performance um, in this game where Liverpool were depleted again. Um, Virgil van Dijk is another one I mentioned. I feel like we've been praising him a lot recently, but deservedly so. Um, makes a key block at the end from Morgan Gibbs-White. Again, one of those moments where the game could swing totally in the opposite direction. Um, Joe Gomez was completely knackered at that at that stage. He'd, um, I think he lost the ball and then he tried to foul Hudson Odoi and he just couldn't get close to him. Basically, um, and Liverpool were really stretched, but Van Dijk was in the way. And it felt like you know I talked before about Forrest's game plan was to just kind of play sort of very vertical, play on the counter attack, release the ball into space when they had kind of two v two v Liverpool centre backs, but. So often, I feel like at Liverpool, we've seen Virgil van Dijk just torpedo that kind of game plan. And the amount of times he just positioned himself perfectly to intercept the ball or clear in that match. Um, that was a defining aspect of his performance. And he was absolutely rock solid um, at the back for Liverpool, who kept a clean sheet for what feels like the first time in a in a decent while um, in the Premier League anyway. And the other one I'd say is Nunez. And this feels like a point that a few of um are sort of regular guests on the podcast have made over the over the season but probably bears repeating just in the sense that Liverpool weren't generating too many decent opportunities you know I mentioned how the XG was pretty narrow in the first half even though the shot count actually looked good um, but having Nunez on the pitch just makes Liverpool better and the more reliable he is in front of goal the more sort of fearsome they are as a team then um, because of the opportunities that he just naturally generates I mean there's an incredible stat from this game, and I'm sure it's kind of gone round already, but Nunez completed two passes after coming on, and one of those was a fairly sizable chance he ended up creating for Gakpo. Um, but despite having two passes, he's had five shots, which is more than anybody else in the game, and most of those opportunities, I mean, the goal aside, um, were pretty decent ones. None that I'm looking at and saying glaring, you know, the kind that he's missed in the past and you criticise him for, but... The key point here for me is that he's generating high-quality opportunities that Liverpool were getting before Hammer Gakpo on the pitch. I think Gakpo struggled a bit in this game. Um, and I think I don't want to criticise him too much. I do really like Gakpo. I made some big claims about him at the start of the season and the success that he might enjoy this year. But it kind of feels like, you know, is he is he the man when... Liverpool face most adversity. I think if you were being critical, you, you could pose that question. And if everybody was fit, it does kind of feel like he'd be the fifth of the five at the moment. Um, but we've seen attackers go through slightly tricky spells and very much play their way back into top four on a few occasions already this season. So hopefully there's another instance of that. And he has a strong finish of the campaign because it's still going to be a while before Diogo Jota's back in contention by the looks of it. So, just to finish off then, I mean, we're recording this after 
Um, Manchester City uh, won the Manchester derby. It was looking for a time that Liverpool might find a bit of joy there with City dropping some more points. But in the end, um, City had too much for them. Spectacular equaliser from Phil Foden to rival Rashford's unbelievable opener. And then Foden scoring again um, before Haaland sealed it. And to be honest, when you look at the stats, it was just an unsustainable situation uh, for Man United and, and the gulf between those two teams. Um, was never really going to lead to anything. To be honest, you know, I had had a feel of sort of a mid-table side going there, to be honest. And really for City, even the Liverpool game aside, um, you're looking at the Arsenal home game, the Spurs away game. And, and uh, you know, to a degree as well, the the game against Villa, because, you know, there's not that much between them in the table, but Villa at home feels like a far more difficult game at the moment than... Um, Manchester United the home would be so I'm wary of always being like oh the harder games are to come for City and then they almost run out but I do think on this occasion you know we've seen how much some of the batterings um, United have had uh, against City over recent years I, I think that today would have been a very much an unexpected bonus um, especially given the deep flaws in that United team um, but it does look like Phil Foden who's had a bit of joy against Liverpool in the past is going to be the one who is trying to almost drag City to the title this season, which everyone would probably be looking at Rodri, De Bruyne, Haaland, but he's in spectacular form lately, so he's the one to, to watch in what is a vital fixture next week, and we'll obviously spend some time previewing that in our episodes coming up. Um, we've got Arsenal in action tomorrow night as well. Obviously, we can't overlook them in this race. They're right there as well, breathing down Liverpool's neck, and they've got what I would say is one of the um, the bankers between now and the end of the season. Um playing uh, Sheffield United away, who are obviously one of the poorest teams we've seen in the Premier League recently. So they should stroll through that one. Um, and then, obviously, there'll be a point where their fixtures get more difficult as well. Um, so crucial for Liverpool to survive this current period, basically, and, and stay out in front. But what a, a giant march we've got uh, coming up, um, not just in, in the Premier League too, uh, in other competitions as well, Liverpool fighting on multiple fronts so stick with us for that we've got our 200th episode coming up this week so make sure you join us for that one as well and we're going to leave it there for today's podcast so thanks very much everyone for listening if you have enjoyed it and if you have been enjoying the podcast please do give us a five star review we'd really appreciate it my twitter username is in the episode description as is our podcast email address so um get in touch with me or the podcast generally on there if you like And yeah, like I say, we've obviously got plenty more action coming up from the Liverpool perspective. So we'll see you next time for more match reaction.